Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Greg, I'm going to start this off. Okay, Dave. Well, hey, it's nice to see you, by the way, man. Hey, long time. Yeah. We were, we, and we haven't talked about this hardly at all, but we are got really good new digs, right? I yeah. mean, we're loving this. We're not sweating, so we don't even talk about that we're anymore. We're still not allowed to talk about it. I know, but we still do. Okay. Okay, sorry. All right. So, um, so listen, you naturally are probably inviting 80% of the guests because uh, it's just you're fabulously connected. You're very excited about our next guest. Um and unless you have a personal story, I think we should just jump right in and, and meet Jeff. Yeah, okay. So Jeff Schnur is our guest today. And um, yeah, talk about a really amazing, incredible story about a guy not from New Brunswick who found New Brunswick as the place to be in all of the world to do the thing that he does, him and his team. Um, so Jeff, welcome to The Boiling Point. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, first of all, if you can explain a little bit about what Community Force International is first, a little bit about yourself, but then let's dig right into the story about how we we got uh, onto this train right now of, of you guys making amazing uh, experiments in the world of sustainable forestry, et cetera. Great. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. So yeah, I am. I actually... Did grow up in Sackville, New Brunswick, and graduated from high school and kind of went on a, quite a long journey until, um, you know, ended up tree planting, ended up traveling sort of the world and ended up um, on an island in the in the Indian Ocean called Pemba, Tanzania. And from there, um, you know, started an organization that plants trees, does renewable energy projects, agriculture um, and also works back in Atlantic Canada. And, t- and tell us what, what it is that you guys are doing as an organization um, and uh, on both sides of, of the globe. Yeah. Well, in, in Tanzania, we work with communities to uh, develop new ways that people can live on the land and make a living in the process. Uh, we've planted over a million and a half trees for fruit, timber, and conservation. Uh, we've planted the equivalent of a hundred football fields with agricultural crops. Uh, we've, we've done rainwater harvesting projects. We've used solar energy. So the, the real idea there is that people can live in harmony with nature and make a living in the process. And then on this side of the pond, we've, uh, developed a way to, um, practice really sustainable forestry, store carbon and sell carbon offsets. Uh, we've, we've saved a 600 acre farm and forest. Uh, that we now do workshops and education on. So it's a, it's a pretty diverse gambit of things that we do. So, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking it's pretty cool how you can be so, um, you know, like you you can really define the tangible benefits already. I mean, and I, I, when I say already, but but I mean, you know, that it's it's obviously intentional to describe, you know, 100 football fields and that sort of thing. I think that helps people really visualize what you're doing. Tell you know, but you know what I'm I'm curious about, and I think I'm not sure how how much people know, but like the idea of you know sustainable forestry management, like what you know, um, you know, I think people think of they're familiar with clear cutting, but are they familiar with the idea that you can you know there's really great ways to sustain a forest? Can you can you educate us on that a little bit? 
Sure, that's a that's a great question, and I think it you know it is a pretty big misconception that sort of all all paper products anything that cuts a tree is actually harmful to the environment. Um, but what we really focus on is the fact that people can actually cut trees, harvest trees in such a way that it improves the health and the growth of the forest overall. Um, so if you pictured, you know, a garden and there were certain, you know, plants that you'd want to encourage, you'd weed around it. So the idea, you know, especially here in our Acadian forest region is it's it's kind of like going and you remove those um, early succession species or the, the fast growing species that will come in after a property has been clear cut or after it's old old field um, and you actually remove some of those trees like the poplar um, birch and and you make way for things like hemlock and oak maple so it's actually a way that by being on the landscape cutting trees you're actually diversifying a forest and helping it grow and and but to do that obviously there's a fair bit of strategy in in doing it as well because uh uh for the layperson listening um that might not understand how that works. You think you're changing the, the, the natural environment by cutting anything down. Um, but I fully am following what you're saying because when, when a, a clear cut happens, you get things like raspberry bushes coming up. Then you get all these other little, little other. So uh, it's, if, if forestry is going to continue and as if humanity is going to continue to use these products, this is clearly is the way we need to go. So do you want to go a little bit deeper into that, uh, Jeff, just to, so we understand uh, um, about wh- how that's different than the more larger scale forestry that seems to be happening around the world right now at a very alarming rate? Yeah, well, I think globally, too, a lot of the, the challenges of, of the time have shifted. Like 100 years ago, 50 years ago, the biggest challenge was how do we feed a planet? How do we get wood to a planet that's, that wants to grow? And, uh, and what we've done is we've actually figured that challenge out. We've learned how to extract resources, how to cut wood, how to go to large-scale industrial agriculture. We got that one, and we managed to grow our population and, and cover the earth, but the earth now is full. It's completely populated. So now the challenge is how, to, how do we fit into that space and forestry is it's a pretty tangible example because we aren't going to just stop building houses we aren't going to you know we we need these products um and and the real the, the beauty of sort of a truly sustainable solution is we can actually get these products in a way that restores degraded forests or, or forests that have been abused or that we've taken a little too much wood from we can continue to take wood and harvest uh, but we actually increase the growth and the ability of that entire system to provide both for the planet and for people. Um, you know, and you know, I can't help but think of how resilient you know um, our environment is. Like you know, to think of just this whole idea of clear cutting and um, and to be able to actually go in and it's only, I have a friend who's in is is in your space and he describes it as being you know they go in and they're like tree doctors and that, that really helped me you know um, and and he actually shared a picture with me. 
of uh, 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 some timber they had cut and the rings. And it was a uh, it was a pretty it would be I think eighty or ninety years old, um, but where it had started in a clear cut and then it had got and then the rings started to get smaller and smaller and smaller as you know this idea you guys are describing you know where the, the that the the kind of the weeds if you will got in so right. so trees couldn't get it and then and then I think in two thousand two and he actually he time date stamps it too and then on two thousand two there were someone like yourself Jeff your, your organization came in and and did some um you know some good forestry management and the rings start to increase in the last ten years of the tree's life and wow, it was that's it's cool. uh, it's like so yeah. amazing and for you you're probably going yeah yeah but I mean for that's someone cool. like me I'm sitting back going oh, now I get it there's a story to be- I get it. Right in the tree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I was thinking is, is this idea, I think that there, and, and this, I'd love to hear your, your, your uh, thoughts on this, Jeff. But I mean, when, you know, this idea that on, uh, they're like these polar views. One is you're a conservationist, which means you just let everything grow. Or the other is you're, you know, a capitalist and you just want to cut everything down. Right. But there's actually, I think what I'm understanding or learning is there's, there's this middle ground, right. Where, and, and I, that's how I would describe what I, I'm hearing in terms of where you fit. Is that, is that accurate or am I way off base? You've, no, you've got it. Um, I think that, like, so I, I started in, in Tanzania, which is very far away from Atlantic Canada, and uh, and started learning about sustainability and how communities can work together. And what really struck me there is everything that people did in terms of tree planting or even cutting trees, they would call conservation. Um and, you know, then coming back here and realizing that conservation and sort of economic development were often head to head. It was jobs versus how much land we can conserve. And and the beauty of sort of this, this middle ground is the conservation is a consequence of how we make our living. It's one of the results of an economic model that does, like you say, grow bigger trees in the process. And I think that's really the that's the challenge of our time is how do how do the way that we live and work have a meaningful impact? How does every little intervention we have in life actually do something that allows something to grow or or develop? It's it's like any relationship, right? So what you know, we, you're absolutely right in in saying that there is this middle ground, this way that you can you know see the the, the growth of a tree increase because you were there. And I think that's what we're striving for. And Jeff, you you mentioned uh, to me before that you guys have a really interesting business model uh, because really you, what, what I'm seeing that you guys are doing is a lot of experimentation, a lot of research, a lot of trial, uh, a lot of education. Uh, but then somebody who's listening might say, well, how do you fund this? But you guys have leveraged carbon offsetting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's one of your, your major uh, revenue uh, generators. Uh, if I'm correct in that, explain that, because that's really exciting to know how that system works. Yeah, we've got, we do have a pretty interesting uh, business model. And I think we kind of went the opposite of how traditional people got into philanthropy. We sort of started with those values then we did sort of the re- the R&D thing, and now we're trying to build the successful company where usually people make it rich and then try and help people. Um, and, and what we managed to do was um, find ways that we could build these economic systems to support the sustainable activities or the ways that we wanted to try and help and build community. Um, carbon offsetting is a great example of that. We had a property, and in many places in the Maritimes are in the same situation where you've got... Um, it was being managed by an elderly couple that had 
done that very thing in, in 30, 40 years of managing the property, they'd increased the growth of their forest by another 40 years. So they had almost 80 years of growth in that period of time. Then they were at a point where they could no longer continue it. And they asked us if we could um, continue their vision. So we, as a charitable organization, tried the sort of bake sale routine to, to purchase this, you know, 600 acre great example of sustainability and kind of came up short. So we, um, I just through sort of happenstance met a, met an individual named Dale Press who was studying, um, forest soil carbon dynamics. And he came and started, developed a methodology to value the carbon stored on site. And then we were able to create a carbon offset product that we sold into a national carbon market. And, and, this, and for the listeners who don't understand uh, carbon trading and, and offsetting, maybe a really quick uh, Coles Notes uh, lesson on that for a company, let's say for Air Canada, as an example, who would use a ton of fuel. Uh, let's right. use them as, as, a, as a good example. Yep. So carbon offsetting basically works where a company that's either regulated to do so or does so because they, they believe in, in maintaining a, a world where there is things like oxygen and, and nature. Um, so if a company wants to um, make sure that their impact isn't negative on the natural world from a carbon perspective, they will look at how many emissions they have. Like Air Canada will say, our flights produce you know, a million tons of carbon, and then they will go and partner with an organization like us, Community Force International, where we'll do an activity to store the same amount of carbon. So there's a balance, a total equilibrium. Amazing amount of metrics there too, uh, isn't it? Like, uh, that's really interesting that you guys are actually able to, uh, you know, measure the carbon that you guys are able to store and retain and regenerate. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's sort of the the that accounting, that idea of keeping within the limit of what our planet can support that just needs to happen. So you so you guys have um um it, it's interesting as you described the uh the you know, even how you got to where you're at. I mean it sounds like um there was a lot of I don't want to say jumping around, but you know, it sounds like a lot of interesting projects. How do you how do you stay focused? Because I'm guessing that there are a million things you'd like to be doing and, um, you know, but you're probably there's, you know, like anyone have, have limits because of resources and, and whatnot. Yeah. Just becoming aware of those limits. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, any startup, like we started with the project in Tanzania, um, through community forest international. Then we started working in Canada and, you know, any entrepreneur has this, this feeling like things aren't happening enough. I'm sure you guys are well aware of this. Oh yeah. And I kind of, you suffer from that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, in that sort of impatience, we went and started a for-profit company called community forest Canada Inc. um, That does more commercial scale forestry stuff. Um, Just kept starting all these projects because things just weren't happening fast enough. Um, And then I think we were pretty lucky because quite a few of those things worked. So we ended up kind of going through that growth phase with several different initiatives in different locations at the same time. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I've definitely felt surrounded by a, a, an amazing team, committed individuals that were able to work day and night to make sure that we could keep those things going. Uh, and now we're sort of in the process of figuring out better ways to evaluate opportunity and, 
and how to focus somewhat, but also keeping that creativity of a startup where you can have a good idea and execute on it tomorrow and then see what happens. And, and is this, when you talk about your team, is, are they primarily based in Atlanta, Canada or where, where is your team, you know, where, when you say the team, where do they all reside? We've got a crew here in, in New Brunswick. Um, there's about seven or eight staff here in, in Sackville. Then we've got the forestry operation which is four or five sort of seasonal workers. And then in Tanzania, we've got a staff of 14 that are working uh, on the projects there. Wow. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm just, again, kind of curious about um, you're saying, you know, I'm hearing the level of engagement and commitment is quite high. How did you, how did you attract these people? Like, and you know, where are you finding them? Well, you know, that's, I think that's a great question. It's uh and it's sort of the, the beauty of running um, an organization based on belief. Um, a lot of the work that we've done has always been based on listening to people, uh, listening to the community around us and listening almost to ourselves, the people closest to the projects. Um, I grew up in, in New Brunswick and didn't really have the, the Harvard MBA networking opportunity and came back and started these organizations with people I went to high school with. It's actually pretty, pretty ridiculous. <laughs> the amount of people that, that I now work with every day that, you know, I was in high school with. Um, but we all kind of came at these complex challenges and issues um, from so many different varied backgrounds. We had a sort of a, a shared set of experience that built a strong team and then we're able to kind of build the skill sets required over, over time. And then the Tanzania crew has been, um, it was started by you know, those initial meetings with some really great committed people. Um, and then we just built the team out from there. Jeff, what is it about New Brunswick that makes it a really um, uh, proper place for you guys to be operating? Because Canada is a massive place with lots of great forests to to, to actually do what you guys in uh, do in, is my assumption. Yeah. But New Brunswick, besides the fact that you're from here, why New Brunswick? Well, the need's pretty high here um, in terms of this type of work, um, which is a, you know, if you're in the sort of social development, economic development space, um, New Brunswick's, New Brunswick's got, got a very clear need for some, some new ideas. And I think, you know, the, the thing that does make sense too is that people are willing to rally around good ideas. Um, we're also, you know, in my mind, kind of, insulated a little bit from some of the challenges. Um, I know starting out, had I have been in a, a sort of ecosystem like Toronto or, or BC, where it was really clear what all the challenges around issues were, um, maybe I wouldn't have even started in the first place. I think we're lucky because we are isolated that we can almost fresh, you know, come into these, these huge challenges with fresh eyes. And I think that's actually a real advantage of the region. You know what? I I was just thinking that uh, this morning actually, because my uh, my little my little girl is going into grade one right now, and she's it's a full French school. Uh, both her parents are Anglophone. <laughs> my my, right. fr- my French is very minimal, um, <laughs> but I, I was contemplating this as I was listening to my French podcasts every single morning in the car. Uh, I was like, you know, I could be so much further if I learned French when I was younger, and. And how much, you know, how much uh, more developed and closer to the end goal I could be if I knew French. But then I realized there's a million people I know who know French and English very well. Right. Uh, 
and they're not satisfied, which means it tells me my journey into learning French really is the end goal. It's that journey, mm-hmm. right? And uh, how that relates to what you're talking about is if you're in BC or, or any of the other places that, that people have been tackling these issues for so long, the motivation it's not really there. And, and maybe right. maybe the, a lot of the challenges have been dealt with. But here, there's a need, which means you have to get to work. And at the core of everything that we do uh, as entrepreneurs, as creators and innovators, it's let's get let's create action that's going to create an impact. And as soon as that stops, I think we, we start to die. And yeah. <laughs> so here's the thoughts in my car I was having this morning. And I, I think it relates. It's like, I, as long as yeah. we're continuing continually moving towards impact, um, I think it's what, what, what makes people like you and I and Dave and the listeners of our podcast keep going, getting out of bed. Yeah, and I think it's no one else is going to make that impact but us. And I think that in this region too, you aren't, you aren't kind of looking around at you know a, a place that's highly competitive with true sort of one-upsmanship of of you know social impact or you know um, tech growth or whatever those those challenges are. You're actually looking at people that are like, this needs to be done. I might as well be the best person for the job because no one's stepping up to the plate, and I'm surrounded by a group of people that are willing to help me out. And I think that's one of the true impacts of, or the, the advantages of being in this area is uh, there's an ecosystem around just taking a good idea and running with it. It doesn't have to be specialized. And that's that's the beauty of, of New, New Brunswick and Atlantic Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're, in, we're just going to wrap up here, Jeff. And before we do, um, so what what are you know, what does the next five years look like for you and and and, uh, and your organization or, the, you know, because um, I'm, I'm understanding you have it sounds like you have a couple organizations. Is that right? You got a, like a Canadian entity and then a more of an, um, an international one. Yep, that's correct. So what do you see? Um, what's the what's the future hold? Or, and I, I don't well, I don't mean to put you on a spot. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, well, in Tanzania, we actually realized that we're we're piloting all these new technologies, all these new ideas, um, but there was still no place for um, you know farmer to farmer, innovator to innovator for these type of exchanges to happen. So we'd go out. We work in you know, 20 different communities, we'd go and we'd see the same things over and over again, whether it was an agricultural project or tree planting. Um, but no one could at the community level share their findings. So we built what's called a rural innovation campus. It's just an open sort of center where we host training workshops, people from around uh, the, the island that we work on can come share their knowledge and also learn um, in sort of a you know, think tank, hackerspace sort of scenario where the resources are there, will support people, but they, they just have to share. And it, it's created almost a culture around outside of the box thinking. So we're trying to mirror that. Uh, we, we like to learn from Tanzania and, and then try and apply things to New Brunswick. So we've got this, this property um, outside of Sussex that we're actually creating a rural innovation campus on here. And the idea is that we'll be able to sort of create that culture around outside of the box thinking for uh, farming, forestry, renewable energy, alternative building, and then give people a place to either pilot things, share. And the, the big vision is to connect that to Tanzania so we can almost create a global culture around these ideas. 
Wow. Super cool. Jeff, I, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Uh, thank you uh, as a fellow New Brunswicker for uh, for pulling this together. I think the opportunity is now to do what you're doing. And uh, uh, how, how does uh, other folks listening to this get in touch with you uh, and actually follow your story? Well, check us out at forestinternational.org on our website or Google Community Forest International. Um, you know, all the all the channels were on Facebook, Twitter. We've got um, a farm day um, on not this Saturday, but the next Saturday. I don't have a calendar here. I think it's October 3rd. So that's this Saturday. Yeah, on October 3rd, we have um, an open farm day. So look us up and come out to the Rural Innovation Campus here and, and see what we're all about. And because uh, we'll probably be playing this uh, a few weeks away, uh, people can just jump right. into their into their transporter uh, time machine, and uh, and it'll be awesome. It'll be a good they'll time. they'll have they'll have missed they'll have missed it, but they got to go check out the next one. I, I you know what I I just love the the whole educational component in this, and I'll tell you the thank you t- for today, and I, and just the more uh, I'm learning as a layperson, the more you know you just kind of get excited about the potential that sits in the forest, and it's amazing. It's actually shocking, in, in some ways overwhelming, um, uh, uh, and it sure gives you a cause for hope. So really appreciate your time, and uh, we will, uh, we'll be in touch. Hopefully uh, we'll hear more uh, in the future. Thanks a Thanks lot, Jeff. A lot, See you now, Jeff. So, um, yeah, I just, <clears throat> ah, there's so much there. You know, it's so, it's, it's so challenging to, to try to, um, you know, to, to hear everything he's doing in a small amount of time. But uh, I, li- I really like the whole education piece as I kind of was concluding there. And I know we got to we gotta cut this a little bit short because we got another interview coming up. But it is um, very, very exciting to hear of what he's doing. And, and I'll tell you, in this part of the world, there's a big opportunity. And mm-hmm. I, I would be shocked if investors you know, should be looking at what some of these guys are doing around um, – you know, sustainable forests and some of the cool, because there's another guest I want to bring on that would be in Jeff's space and um, incredibly powerful stuff that's happening. And this whole concept even that a, a forest can sustain a community uh, and, and these great examples in Scandinavia, this sort of thing happening. And yeah. but just to hear that happening uh, in our region is so exciting. And I guess my, my uh, big takeaway is he uh, is taking this with an entrepreneurial approach, uh, which is he's seeing a, a great opportunity to come to the untouched wild west of New Brunswick, which is, you know, our economy has been built on forestry, yet um, nobody's really tackling these issues the way these guys are. So, uh, you know, these guys are, are pushing for impact. And I love that. That's stuff that gets me excited. So, uh, so Dave, onward and upward. Um, I'll, I can't wait to hear your, your, your personal story next week, <laughs> which is actually going to happen in two seconds. Uh, <laughs> Good being with you, buddy. All right, Dave. Take care. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. You 
looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.